So welcome to those who have just joined us online. So glad that you're with us today. And hope you can just stay with us through to the end of the service. For those who are in the building, don't dare leave. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But it's great to be together in God's house. Um, just a couple of things, just to remind people, there is a generosity box up the back. Um, but also, there's still an opportunity to give to the Ukraine appeal that we did at Christmas or Christmas Eve. Um, the reason for that is that the bank didn't process our transaction. So <laughs> the money's still sitting in our account and has still to go. International transactions, what can I say? Um, so if you still want to give to the Ukraine appeal, you can do that and we'll get that sorted this week. And uh, I'll put on my steel toe cap boots when I go to the bank this time. Um, we might need them. I'll let you use your imagination uh, with that one. Um, I'd talked before about 21 days of prayer with fasting. I'm going to delay that by a week. Our week has been taken up with pastoral concerns uh, around Heather. Um, and so there's a number of things that had been on the cards for uh, talking about this Sunday, which we'll not talk about this Sunday, and we'll defer that to, to next week and uh, expect that email to come out as well. Today, I want to just think for a few moments, going back into where we were last week, um, and changing sort of tack a little bit by uh, titling, entitling the message today, Renewing the Mind. And I said uh, last week in 2023 that we need to go deeper in the Word. We need to depend more on the Holy Spirit and develop our prayer life. And those three things, if we can manage to do those things and just experience God in those things, then it brings transformation to our hearts. It brings change and everlasting change at that going to read from James uh, chapter 1 verses 19 to 25. I'm reading from the, uh, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version today. Um, it's a, a version that I used last year um, and I just like the way that it puts uh, things. So I'm going to read from that today. And it says in James chapter 1 verse 19, you must understand this. In fact, I'm going to put it up on the screen just so you can see it. Uh, you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Whoa, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? <laughs> the way that it words it. Um, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. And then go on to the next verse, but be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look, intent, look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. It's those who put the Word of God into practice that are blessed, and you'll know that yourself. And the one thing that I wanted to just kind of say at the start is that faith, if it's not practiced, is playtime. And I'll come back to that in a wee second. Faith, if it's not practiced, is playtime. We need to get out of the playground, and we need to get into what God wants for us. It's very easy to stay in the playground as a Christian and be the all kind of happy, clappy, bless me, blah, blah, blah stuff, you know. But the, the Christian faith is a real faith, and it's a gritty faith, and it's a faith that helps people to endure through the most horrendous circumstances. How does faith come about? Well, we all know from Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith 
comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ, or the word about Christ, or the word of God. So faith comes as we hear the word of God in our own hearts. I'm going to give you a little illustration. We're going to grab this mic. Just for the benefit of those who are online, uh, so that you can still hear me. I can go all the way back to my Sunday school days, and uh, there was, uh, we went to a church in Glasgow. And in that church, uh, we had an upstairs room, and in that upstairs room is where a Sunday school took place. Now, I remember, I have this very vivid memory of being around the Sunday school table. And this was me as a kid, right? I'm going to struggle to do this because I'm quite big now, okay? But me as a kid, with my knees up in the chair, leaning over the table, looking at the book that was on the table. And my dad was my Sunday school teacher. And I've used this book a few times over the last few weeks. And I think of, I can't remember if I used it in church or not. It's called the Bible Panorama. And you can see that it gives you a glance into the whole of the Bible. And it starts here with Genesis. And you'll notice that at this part in the story, there's a thing called the promise. And there's a red line which starts. And that red line in this book is called the bloodline. It's the line that runs all the way through to the cross. Now, I remember just imbibing this information as a child, you know. And that's the, that is the very same book that we used. I'll put this mic down now. I liked it so much that I bought a new one, a color version of the same information, but just updated, revised color version. And it's just incredible to get this big picture of the Bible. And I remember as a child learning all of these things and just being so excited when we had the quiz time and it was, you know, asking questions about the Bible, and, and it would be hands up if you've got the right answer. And I loved to have my hand up first. And, and, and I just kind of think, that, that's kind of like playtime in a sense. If I can go back to those days, it was like playtime. That was the days where everything was happy, and, you know, everything was wonderful, and the trees were really green, and, you know, the grass was growing well, and the sky was blue, and you didn't have a care in the world. And it was playtime. And then you grew up. And then you realize that life isn't playtime anymore. And you need to take what you've learned in the playtime and put it into practice in your life. In every situation that you find yourself, you put it into practice. And that's where I want to go today, is that we come away from playtime and that we come into practicing the Word of God in our lives. And there are three points that I just wanted to touch on quickly. I'll spend more time in point one and less time in point one and two, because if, if you think, if that's how much time he's going to spend in point two and three, I'm going to fall asleep here, okay? So just so that you're forewarned, more time in point one, hardly any time in point two, and a little bit more time, but not quite so much on point three, okay? Just so that you're aware. And these three points are this. We need to receive the Word humbly, we need to reflect on the Word intentionally, and we need to respond to the Word actively. If you've studied English grammar, you'll know that in there there are some verbs to receive, to reflect, and to respond. Those are the verbs. Those are the things that we do. And there are some adverbs in there as well. How do we receive the Word? We receive it humbly. That adds to the meaning of the verb. There's a way that we receive the word. We receive it humbly in our hearts. 
There's a way that we reflect on the Word. We reflect on it intentionally. And there's a way that we respond to the Word. We respond actively. So these are things that add meaning to the verb. And we read in this first point that we need to welcome with meekness the implanted Word. Or as another translation puts it, we need to have that Word engrafted into our very being. And the implication here is to have a soft heart that's able to receive the word. A soft heart. Jesus talked about that in the parable of the soil, the parable of the sower, depending on how you look at it. But the place where the word grew was there, the place where there was a a softness and a, a willingness to receive the word. But I like the word engrafted. And I like the idea of the Word of God being engrafted into our lives. If you can see that picture on the screen, uh, if those are online, uh, if you're looking at the picture, um, that's a picture of a branch which has been grafted into another branch. And I've I've probably mentioned this before when we were in Bulgaria many years ago. uh, Petya's dad had an apple tree, and it had branches from other apple trees grafted into into the tree. And so that one tree would produce five different kinds of apples because a branch from a different type of apple tree had been grafted into it. And so it produced five different kinds of apples. Don't think it would have produced oranges, but it produced five different kinds of apples. And I think that's, if I can say something about how we receive the Word of God, it's so that we receive it in a way where it becomes part of who we are. And as it gets a hold of us, and as we get a hold of it, it begins to produce fruit within us. It produces something that's useful within us. That engrafted word merges with the very essence of who we are as people. We come from playtime and all the memorizing of Scripture and the things that we did into practicing the Word of God because it becomes rooted in us. I don't know if you're aware there are two different types of memory There is short-term memory. There is long-term memory. I have problems with both these days. Um, But let's think a wee bit for a second about long-term memory. There are three different aspects to long-term memory. The first one is semantic. It's where we remember facts, like two plus two equals. Some people are needing to revive their semantic memory. Two plus two equals four. That's where we remember that type of information, semantic uh, memory. Then there's episodal memory. For those who did the the healing journey a couple of years ago, you'll remember, uh, see, I've forgotten the guy's name. That's my semantic memory not working. Uh, Terry Wardle, there you go. Took a wee while to access it. That's semantic memory, me accessing it. This is episodal memory, which helps us to remember things that are attached to feelings. And I heard somebody say, this is why women have great memories, is because they attach everything to a feeling, and you never forget feelings. So, guys, we're too focused on the semantic, maybe, and the facts. And then there's a third type of memory, and it's called procedural procedural memory. And I describe that as where we perform functions and tasks. And I don't know... um, This morning, um, when I was playing the guitar um, and worshipping God, we we got to a point in worship where I just started to cry, and I was unable to sing because my brain can only do so many things at the one time. So I couldn't sing because I was crying. But what happened is that during that experience, I kept playing the guitar. Don't know if you noticed that. I kept playing the guitar, and 
I can play the guitar and talk and sing and do all sorts of things because it's part of my procedural memory. And uh, I want to use this wee example. It's like, it's like riding a bike. Once you learn to ride a bike, you know how to ride a bike. Um, once you learn how to play an instrument, you know how to play an instrument, and it, it becomes part of our procedural memory. It's like driving a car, for those of you who drive. Now, we had an experience this week in the car where I had to brake suddenly uh, because somebody in front of me brake suddenly, and Mary lunged forward in the car, whereas I just sat there in the car because driving has become part of my procedural memory. I do it without thinking. I, I do it without being conscious of it. And my body knew that I was going to hit the brakes and that I needed my body actually pushed back in response to me pushing the brakes so that I didn't move forward, whereas Mary wasn't expecting it. And she just kind of lunged forward. That's because we have this thing called procedural memory. And what I want to get at today is that I think where we need to go with the word is not just about semantic facts, okay? What was the name of the first man in the Bible? Hands up. Adam. Yes. What was the name of the second man in the Bible? Jesus. No. (laughs) Because Jesus is the answer to everything. We need to go beyond knowing and memorizing Scripture, and that's important because that's how it becomes part of us, to a place where it becomes who we are and how we respond in different situations. And that situation where I had the brakes, I responded without even thinking about it by my body pushing back to oppose the force of the car stopping. I responded, whereas Mary, her body reacted to what was happening. And we can be in that place too, where we, rather than respond in a situation, we react in the situation. Whereas I think if we get the Word of God engrafted into us, we will respond in situations rather than react because there's something within us that's an, it becomes an automatic response. I want to just talk a wee bit about how do we get the Scriptures into us. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, we read this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's talking about impressing the word of God into who we are. It becoming engrafted into who we are. And it's not just about memorizing facts. It's about imbibing the word. It's about taking it in. It's about soaking it in so that it becomes part of who we are. And if you'll notice this, I don't know if you've ever noticed how much the Scripture's talking about passing on this message to the next generation. And there's, I'm going to touch on something in a little minute about that very thing. The Word needs to go deeper than our minds, and it needs to go into our muscles, if I can put it that way, where it becomes part of what we do. That expression, muscle memory, you've probably heard that phrase which is actually not anything to do with our muscles at all. It's about our, our brain's capacity to do what I was talking about there and playing instruments and, and, and respond to things. That's what muscle memory is. 
And we need to get the Word of God in us so that it becomes part of who we are and what we do. Let me just flick forward to another scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 5. It says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, listen to this, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. And I underlined that little bit there, who by constant use have trained themselves. By constant use have trained themselves. It's only because we continually are in the Word and practicing the Word that we become able to respond in situations rather than just simply react. The problem is, and the problem can be, that it can become meaningless tradition for us. If all we do is talk about faith, then it can, it can become meaningless tradition. And in beside that can come a pride. So when we do the Bible quiz and you're always the one sticking up your hand and you're always the one getting the answers. And I remember doing that at school when we would get Bible stories and stuff like that in the morning. And the teacher would ask us questions and I was the only person putting my hand up. And she was going to stop doing it because nobody else was listening. And I'm like, well, oh, please don't stop. I like this. I actually know the answers to these questions. Two plus two, uh, I'm not quite so sure. But who's the first man in the Bible? I know the answer to that question. And Jesus talked about this very thing. We can become proud, prideful, pious about our Bible knowledge, but not actually be putting it into practice. And that's one of the things that Jesus criticized the Pharisees for. He says this in Matthew 23, 5. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Going back to that little word we read from Deuteronomy, this is what a phylactery is. If you look at that man's head, it's a little box that contains four portions from the Bible, and I've listed them there in case you want to make a note of them and read them. And they would tie these things to their heads. There's one that gets that, that gets tied to the arm and the, and the band goes round and, and, and round the waist and stuff like that. And it's something that men use, Jewish men use when they pray. In Deuteronomy 6, 8, it says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. This is the value that they put on the Word of God. They would actually physically have it in a box and tie it to their hand and bind it to their forehead. And if you read up about these things, it's incredible. Read those scriptures, and as you read those scriptures, you'll realize that actually God was impressing upon them. You need to share this with the next generation. You need to share it with the next generation. The reason there is a church today is because people shared it with the next generation. Not only in age, but the next generation of people who have never met God yet and who have never put their faith in Him. We need to take the Word in. What was it I said? Going back, because my semantic memory doesn't work very well, I'll go back in my notes. We need to receive the Word humbly. It becomes engrafted into who we are so that we begin to respond in relation to that word and not just react into different situations. Point two, and this is a shorter point, and everybody goes, thank goodness. We need to reflect on the word intentionally, but those who look intently into the perfect law it talks about, people who look intently into it, it implies movement, not passive but active. 
Not just reading the text as a passive observer, but as an active participant, intentionally, prayerfully engaging in the Word of God, the Bible, the words that have been with us for thousands of years now. What's the point if it just goes in one ear and out the other? Have you ever done that? In a, maybe you do your devotions in the morning, you get to lunchtime and you go, I can't even remember what I read this morning. I know what that's like, because my semantic memory is not that great. But we can let it go in one ear and back out the other and forget. Like the person that it talks about in the passage of Scripture that we just read, who looks at themselves in the mirror, and then they go away and forget what they looked like. Sometimes that's a good thing, (laughs) depending on what you see. The third point is that we need to respond to the word actively. The passage says, be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. People who hear the word of God and go, yeah, great message today, pastor, and then go out tomorrow and forget all about it. And it has absolutely no impact and zero zero things happen as a result of it. We need to respond to the word actively. It's something that we do and it's how we do it. Paul said to his young apprentice, Timothy, in 1 Timothy, to, to, little, first where? First Timothy 4, 7, Paul said, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. It's something that you have to do. Not just something that happens to us by accident. We hope we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll, we'll be a better Christian or this problem will have been solved, or that thing that we're wrestling with. We've got to grasp hold of the Word of God and put it into practice, and that's where the change comes. What did doers do? What did doers do? They do. They do. People who are doers do. There are people who are always doing things. They're never off the go. They're continually doing something. I don't know if you're one of those people. Never off the stoat. Always doing something. There are people like that in here. There's one sitting up the back who never stops. Mr. C. Mr. Duracell. Who never stops continually doing something. We're always, always doing something. It just depends what we're doing, but doers do. People who respond to the word actively put it into practice. Be doers of the word, not just people who hear it and it goes in one ear and out the other. History does not recall those who had good intentions, only those who acted on them. Good intentions never made a difference, but the smallest action can have a profound effect on another human being, the smallest action. And I would like to suggest that the smallest action prompted by the Holy Spirit as we listen and we do can have a profound effect on another human being. I don't know if over Christmas time, maybe you watched that film, It's a Wonderful Life. Do you know that film? Has everybody seen it? It's a great film. And in the film, Clarence, who's sitting down there, shows George Bailey what, excuse me, I get emotional, (laughs) what the world around him would have looked like had he not been born. He begins to get an insight and an understanding into what the world would have looked like had he not been here. And I want to suggest today 
that as we get hold of the Word of God and as it becomes engrafted into our lives, we begin to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, and we begin to act and do things that impact on the lives of others, we begin to see that we make a footprint in life. Every single one of us, we make a footprint in life that can never be erased. And God sees all that happens. If anything, good intentions that are never acted on only haunt the people who had them. It's enshrined in popular phrases like, if only, or I wish I had. The opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped within the lifetime of the opportunity. When we have the opportunity to do something, to say something, to respond in a situation, we have an opportunity. We need to take that opportunity when it's there. If only can keep us focused in the past. Oh, if only I had, if only I had, if only I had. But it can also distract us in the future. If only I had this, then I would be able to. And we stop entering into a future because of the if onlys and the things that we think we don't have. And yet Jesus says to us today, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whatever you're wrestling with today, whatever you're struggling with today, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And as His Word is engrafted into your very being and becomes who you are, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. My encouragement today would be just get on with it. Just do it. I sometimes wonder why I read some of the things that I read. I don't understand at this point in time why I'm reading Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl was a psychologist before he went into the concentration camps, before he went into Auschwitz. And I'm reading through that book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he says this, in the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influences alone. It's those inner decisions that make us who we are. And it's as those inner decisions are informed by the engrafted word of God in our lives that we become the people that God wants us to be. That no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we can make a difference and a positive difference for good. I'm going to ask you a question. What lies within you today? What lies in your heart there today? And sometimes we wrestle with those things because we know, we're so aware that there are things in our heart that we'd rather weren't there. Let's push them out by bringing the engrafted Word of God in. Let's not just be people who are playing at it. Paul said, to the church in Colossae. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And it means generously or abundantly. Let the word of God live in you, dwell in you generously and abundantly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And then he goes on to talk about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We, we do that in the church and we experience the presence of God in it. Maybe there's something that you're struggling with today, an issue Maybe you need to write the word of God concerning it on a, a post-it note and put it somewhere where you can see it. Place it 
somewhere where you'll see it every day. Memorize it. Get it into who you are as a person. Put it on your phone as a wee picture, a background. Talk about it to somebody. Get it impressed in your memory, your mind, and your actions. And to come back to that little verse, welcome with meekness. Welcome with meekness. The implanted or the engrafted word. Why? Because it is the power to save your souls. It has the power to save your souls. And I think, how do we memorize all this? Little Jewish boys in Jesus' time wouldn't memorize Scripture the way that I did. They would memorize Scripture and be able to quote whole books of the Bible verbatim through memorizing. Our semantic memory is taken up by so much information that we don't need. These little Jewish boys had the Word of God memorized and then they began to put it into practice. And I would summarize maybe the things that we need to have as part of us in the teachings of Jesus. Love God. Simple, isn't it? It's simple to say, but it's hard to put into practice. Love God. Love your neighbor. The people who are outside the walls of the church, outside your walls. Love your neighbor. The person who's standing next to you in the, the factory or the person sitting next to you in the office or wherever you find yourself. Love yourself. It's inward. We need to learn to love ourselves, and some people don't. But we need to learn to love ourselves and see each other, see ourselves as God sees us, as somebody that Jesus died for. Love your enemy, the person that we look down on. It's like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not like you. I'm glad I don't think the way you do. I'm glad I don't say the things you do. I'm glad I don't act like you do, the person that you look down on. And it's so easy to be the person who's up here looking down on the minions below, for those who've seen that movie. The little or yellow creatures with blue shorts. I'm only kidding. But it's so easy for us to look down on other people. And Jesus says, you need to love even your enemy. Love one another. Love one another. Jesus says, I've given you a new commandment. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. Love one another. And that's a place, that's a thing that, that needs to happen in the church, is that we need to love one another. And then the last thing that I would say, and these things as I was preparing for today, they just rolled off, rolled off my tongue because I think these are the basics. Do to other people as you would have them do to you. Do as you would be done by. How do we treat other people? Do we treat other people based on our own perceptions, our own thinking, our own hang-ups and problems, our own hurts, our own woundedness? Do we treat other people based on where we are or do we treat other people based on who God is, a God who loves every single person? Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey what I command. How do we know what God commands? It's in the scriptures. For the little Jewish boys, they would have it strapped on here and on here 
and they would memorize those scriptures. If you love me, you will obey what I command. It's all there for us. We just need to get it engrafted into who we are as people. I wonder how, how do we respond to all this today? How are you going to respond to this today? I hope that in 2023, 20, that you go deeper into the Word of God, that it's not just something that you study and it goes into your semantic memory, but it's something that you study and God speaks to you so that it becomes part of who you are. I can tell you about emotions and feelings that are attached to the Word of God. I can tell you about areas in my life where it becomes part of that procedural memory. It's what we do. This is what we do in this situation. Whether we like it or not, this is what we do in this situation. We love God. <laughs> we love our neighbor. We love ourselves. We love even our enemies. We love one another. We do to other people as we want them to do to us. Let's just bow our heads for a little second. Close our eyes as we pray and finish off our service today. I hope, I really hope that something has, has spoken to you today. We need to go deeper in the Word. And we need to depend more on the Holy Spirit. And we do need to develop our prayer life. And Father, we pray that you would help us to grasp your Word, to grapple with your Word. Father, there's such a, a rich treasure to be found in your Word. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to diligently study the Scriptures. Father, to tune in to what you want to say to us. And Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit would speak to us and reveal things to us afresh. Lord, may we open up the Word and may we be challenged by it. May we be inspired by it. May we be encouraged by it. May we be comforted by it. Lord, you know what we need. You know where each of us are today. Those who are in the building, those who are online, those who can't be with us for obvious reasons. And Lord, we just ask for each one of us that our hearts would be so tuned in to what you want to say to us. And Lord, we pray that your word would find not just a resting place in our hearts, but Father, we pray that your word would be engrafted into our very being. Lord, may it change us. May it begin to be fruitful in our lives. May it help us to respond in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Lord, we pray, help us to love you. Help us to love one another. And maybe, maybe today there are people and you've never made a decision to, to really follow God and to give your life to God and to, to really serve in him in this way. Maybe there are people here today and you were more on fire for God. You're more keen, more enthusiastic and, and, and something seems to have kind of just, I don't know, you just don't have the same enthusiasm for, for God and who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And, and today's just a day to come back. It's a day to return. It's a day to realize that God loves you passionately, that he sent his son Jesus on a cross to die for you. The Bible says that the word became flesh. The words that we're talking about today were embodied in Jesus. The word became flesh, lived among us. He learned he loved. That same word, the word of God was crucified on a cross just simply for being true to the word and responding to every situation in a godly way. That same word couldn't be silenced even by death. And the word of God, Jesus, rose from the dead. And we have that in different ways. We have the written word of God 
and we have the very presence of Jesus through the Spirit in our lives. And I just pray today that if you're in that place, you've never made a decision to invite Jesus, the Word of God, into your heart, that you do that today. If you're not as close as you once were, that you come before God and you say, I'm here, I need to come back, I know. And God forgives us. God knows our hearts. He knows the weaknesses that we struggle with. He knows that we're just frail human beings. He, un he understands that. But he, he says to you, come back. Just like the prodigal father, the prodigal's father who was watching for his son, he ran out to meet his son. He ran out to meet his son and he embraced his son. And that's what God wants to do to some people today. He wants to just embrace you and forgive you and to put on a new robe and to put a ring in your finger and sandals in your shoes and to have a party because you've returned. Father, we just pray today, help us to grasp how wide and high and how deep is the love of God for us. Father, help us to grasp it afresh. Father, we pray that you'd help us to, to just receive something fresh from you. Father, as we open up our Bibles in the days and the weeks and the months that lie ahead, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and just breathe upon it and breathe upon us that your word would become part of who we are and cause us to respond and not react. Father, cause us to be the people that you want us to be. And so, Lord, we pray, open up, just like, just like um, even in this area where uh, minds were opened up and, and seams uh, were, were, were um, explored, where people would go and mine for coal. Father, may we, in the same way, open up new things in your word. May we open up and, and really mine through different seams to grasp what it is that you want to, to share with us as individuals, as, as groups, and as a church. And Lord, we pray, lead us into all that you have for us. I'm just going to say a little prayer at the end here. And if you've not made a decision to follow Jesus, you can say this little prayer and ask him into your heart today and encourage you to do it. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he made a way for me to have a relationship with you. Forgive me. Make me clean. I invite you in to live within me and to lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we just thank you for every person who prays that prayer. Today, maybe a different day, Lord, we pray that your hand would be upon them and that you just reveal yourself afresh to them. Lord, we pray for the next generation. We pray for our kids who are over in Treasure Kids at the moment. Lord, we realize the importance of passing on what you have given to us to them in a way where it's not just playtime for them, but Father, there'll come a day where they need to put it into practice. And Lord, we pray that you give them the courage and the strength of conviction to be the people who you call them to be. Lord, we pray for each one of us as we go into this week. Lord, we don't know what the week holds for us or even what the day holds for us, but Lord, we know that we can go with confidence knowing that you're our strength, that you're our rock, that you're our deliverer, you're our fortress. You're the one who loves us, and you're the one who welcomes us back, no matter what. Father, we thank you for your love. It's so immense and so vast. Help us to receive it, Father. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week. If you want to talk about anything, you know where we are. Just come and give us a shout. But have a great week. In Jesus' name.